Good morning and Merry Christmas to everyone. I just want to welcome and thank you to everyone who has taken the time this morning to celebrate Christmas with us, whether you be um, someone who's been coming here for a while or uh, someone who's here for the first time, whether you're a local or from out of state, we welcome you here. So today's service will be a little bit different um, in terms of the flow. We're gonna have a, a lot of different singing and different homilies today. And we wanted to let you guys know that we don't have children's program today, uh, but it is a child-friendly service. So if your children feel the need to make a little noise or roam around, feel free to let them do that. If you haven't already picked up a uh, activity bag in the back, we have some activities prepared for children ages three to about age eight. So if you don't have one already, um, I see Eve in the back, and feel free to go up to her and, and get a bag for your child. Um, so if you guys could just join me in prayer as I open up us up for our service today. Um, Father God, we are just so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to be gathered today together um, just to worship you, Lord, and just to 
revel in the fact that you came down to earth and became one of us. And I know this year has been, um, it might have been a great year for some, and it might have been a weary year for other people. But I pray, Lord, that you would just meet us where we are and just help us to um, worship you, Lord, and enjoy this time together. In your name I pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's stand together. We were made to worship, so let's do that together now. I want to read this brief call to worship. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And imagine for a moment um, the angel declaring to the shepherds these glorious words. And this is all of why we've gathered together. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So let's worship our Savior, um, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is Messiah. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's a privilege uh, to worship with you on this Christmas Sunday uh, to declare praise to our King Jesus uh, who came for us. And so as Rachel did a great job of inviting us in, wherever you come in this morning, um, I know there's been a lot of travail uh, this year that a lot of people have gone through. Um, and so we're grateful in everything that we experience that we serve a King who is the King of Kings, who is a humble King, who identifies with us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Zachariah's prophecy. And as you walk through Luke, we're in chapter two today, but as you remember chapter one, Zechariah's prophecy was all about this king who would come, that he would save us from our enemies, that he would be of the house and lineage of David. And so there's this great anticipation building about what kind of a king this might be. And there's a couple of things, three things actually, that I wanna point out about this humble king. First of all, Jesus, even though he's the king of kings, came as a baby. I know we're, we're used to that now, that story, if you've been in church for a while. Uh, but the fact that he came as a baby I'm not sure if that's what we would have anticipated for God to send his own son uh, to be in utero, um, to grow up and to need to, to grow up for 30 years before he started his ministry. Um, the Westminster Confession talks about how Jesus suffered all of the, identified with us in all of the miseries of this life, becoming like us as a man and ultimately suffering uh, in the greatest way imaginable. And I think that story of Jesus being born of a virgin, yes, theologically, it's so important that he was born of a virgin, that he was the God man, but the incarnation emphasizes, yes, the deity of Christ, but also the humanity of Christ, the humility of Christ, that he would identify with us, this King of Kings who came as a baby. The second thing I notice here about Jesus as the King of Kings is that he's one who is a king, he, he gives instead of, a, he's, he's a king who gives instead of a king who takes away. Uh, he is compared to, um, or a big word, juxtaposed here against Caesar Augustus, who commands that all the world be taxed. And it's in the context of, of this moment where this Caesar, this emperor, this, the king of the time, the era, is demanding that everyone go through a whole lot uh, to know how much he can take from all of his subjects. Here in this moment, you have a king, King Jesus, who was born as not a taker, but as a giver. He's one from the very beginning who is giving his life away for people. Even at his birth, it's these humble beginnings, you have of all people, shepherds who are of the lowest socioeconomic class. They're just the most basic humans who are out there who were called to be the ones who go, and they're the first ones there with Jesus. Olivia reminded our family of a story last night, 10 years ago, I was invited to uh, share about the meaning of Christmas in my son's second grade uh, public school class, which was an awesome honor. And I actually got my guitar out for the first time in a while, and I sang a couple of Christmas carols. 
and, um, and I explained the, the story of Christmas. And to a, a lot of the, the kids there who had maybe never heard it or hadn't heard it in a long time, and as I got to the, the shepherds, I asked the question to the class, why do you think God had shepherds be the first one that would hear the good news about Jesus? And a boy there in the class who we're actually still friends with now, and Jordan's a senior in high school, said, um, I guess shepherds were the kind of people who didn't receive good news very often. And I was like, wow, that's like the most insightful answer I think I've ever heard of that question. I did not expect that in second grade class, but that's right. The shepherds were people who didn't get good news very often. I love that because I think we can all identify with that to some degree. Uh, there have been periods of time in your life, maybe it's a period right now where you don't feel like you've gotten a lot of good news. There's people in the world right now who haven't gotten good news in a long time. I'll talk a little bit more about that and we're gonna pray for the world at the end. But the great news of the gospel is Jesus is born as a giver. He gives his life away to needy people. He's not a king who takes, he's a king who gives. And finally, what surprises me about Jesus as this humble king is that he, he was born in a situation where he had no socioeconomic power. Um, it, it strikes me in the story that Jesus is one who doesn't just identify with people. He doesn't just invite people who have no power to be with him. He is one who has no socioeconomic power himself. I mean, in this moment, when all the world is being taxed, when this census is being declared, it would have been, it would have seemed right to me, I guess if I were in the situation where I was setting everything up, that the king of kings wouldn't be born in a situation where he would have to go through all the same things that everybody else did. Maybe they could find a loophole in this whole census thing that went, that was going on because it was gonna make Mary, the mother of Jesus, extremely uncomfortable. She had to ride the back of a donkey for 90 miles. The elevation was 1500 feet uphill from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Um, it just seems like it would be nice for Jesus to be born with a little bit of a loophole to where he had the family and the status and the power not to have to go through all the things that everybody else goes through, but that's not what happened in Jesus's case. And then they get to Bethlehem. Finally, after days of travel, there's no room in the inn available. In that verse, in verse seven, that word manger is supposed to really grab you because it's not until that point that the reader realizes that we're talking about Jesus being born in a trough, a feeding trough for animals. And maybe you've never thought about this, but who was the presiding doctor there for Jesus? And I think it had to be Joseph. So, so God the Father is entrusting the birth, the medical birth of his son into the world in a feeding trough for animals in a barn to the dad who has no medical experience. It's, it's amazing, Jesus was born in this way, we would have never expected it, but he was born a humble king. He couldn't upgrade in social class, he had to identify with us completely. And I find that incredibly encouraging because if we're honest, our lives and my life is much more like a feeding trough than a five-star hotel. Our, my life is much more like a be real photo than an Instagram photo uh, that you post. That's what it's really like for us. And we needed a God who I, would identify with us completely, a humble king who would undergo all the miseries of, of this life for a little while so that in the end, he would be able to dispel all the darkness 
of our lives. Let's continue to worship this king. Would you stand as we continue to sing? What child is this? What child is this who lay to rest on
This reading is taken from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. So as we come to this passage, um, you know, a couple of days ago, my kids and I, uh, my family and I, we were doing our Advent devotion. We were going through the Jesse tree, and then um, there's a portion here that that kind of coincides with this passage that we're that I'm, I'm going to be talking about this morning, and um, you know we decided to watch watch um, this the reenactment of this this passage uh, from the Chosen um, TV series. I don't know if you have seen it, but it's it's great. And and so as we were watching it, it dawned upon me that you know when at this scene that we're we're talking about with the shepherds at the field. No, there's a lot of darkness in this. I, I don't know if you realize this, but you know, in those days, <laughs> there are no uh, street lights, there are no flashlights, there's no cell phones. And so as you were thinking about shepherds kind of watching the flocks at night, it's literally pitch black, other than the, the fire that they started. So it dawned upon me and to think about like this, this is the imagery that you know, we see so often in the Bible, the imagery of darkness over and over again. And then when the angel appeared before the people, what happened? He comes in light. He comes in this glorious light that's so blinding, that's so terrifying to some extent that the people are afraid. I mean, I, if you think about it, you know, this pitch darkness, this, this um, cloud of darkness all over, and suddenly, a voice and a light just appears out of nowhere. I mean, it freaks you out. It definitely freaks me out, too. And so the, the shepherds, they were terrified. And so when the angel appeared before them, he told them, do not be afraid, right? He comes often as we see how angels appear before the people. He will come with this sense of reassuring presence that, and, and voice, do not be afraid. I come to bring good news. And so as we think about this imagery of darkness here, it dawned upon me to think about how the shepherds and the people were living in darkness as we see this over and over again. And Jesus Christ himself is called the light of lights, right? The king of kings and the light of lights. And so he has come, and the light of the world too. And so he has come into this world to bring light, to shed light, and especially with this angel, this angel pronouncement, he said, For unto you is born this day 
and the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. So yes, the people were living in darkness. They were living under the oppression of foreign powers. They've lost their homes, their country, their status, their freedom. But here's the thing, at the core of their problem is sin. Sin is the result of why they're exiled. Sin is the result of why they've lost their freedom, why they're living under oppression. And so sin is the result that led to all the external problems. And so far more than fixing all the external problems, God has come to fix the main issue, which is sin, by calling his son, by sending his son Jesus, the savior of this world, the light of the world. You know, as parents, if you have kids, you know, sometimes we're so preoccupied with correcting our kids' behavior that sometimes we fail to see and understand the problem that lies be behind those, those lies within those behaviors, right? Why, why are they doing certain things? Why are they, you know, misbehaving? Why are they, you know, rebelling against us? You know, sometimes we see those external problems, but we don't really see what lies beyond those. See, at the core of, of our children's, um, as, as they grow up, at, at the core of, of the problem is that they too are sinful beings, just like the adults. And certainly, they too need the saving grace of Jesus as much as we do. And so as parents, you know, we need to continue to point them to Jesus as much as we need to point ourselves to Jesus, to remind them who they are, that they are sinners in the sight of God, sinners in need of God, and so be reminded of what God has done for them through Christ. And so we need to remind our kids and we remind ourselves too. We need to remind ourselves of the good news of what Christ has come to do. And so now you may be asking like, why is Jesus the good news? Why is he such a good news? And why is he the savior here that we need? There are a couple of reasons. First, you know, Corey had already highlighted a little about it. First reason is because Jesus is a real human being that identifies with us. What does this mean? You see, Christ, our God, right, who is in heaven, was born into this world as a real human being. He has real human body, minds, emotions, just like we do. And so he experienced all the human weaknesses like we do, like hunger, like fatigue, like sorrow, like loneliness. He was born as a baby, if you think about this, incapable of doing anything on his own and needed the protection and care of his parents. Then as he grew up, he went through a period of learning, a period of maturity, a phase of maturity just like us. And so all the growing pains of Jesus were just as real for him as it is for us. And what does this all mean then? It means that because he experienced all the growing pains of a human being, he knows what you are experiencing too today. He's able to identify with all your pains all your sorrows, you know, he's able to identify with all your weaknesses. You know, sometimes, you know, you think about where in the world that we live in today, we consider the amount of pressure and an amount of pressure that for all of us, as we live in this world where we feel isolated, where we feel lonely from people who may not understand our circumstances, may not understand who we are may misunderstood our intentions. And then we also live under the pressure of wealth, 
lost power, and etc. And sometimes we live uh, with, with sorrow because we've lost our loved ones. We live feeling betrayed by the people that we know and cared for. But guess what? That is exactly what Jesus went through as a human being. He went through all of these things. And so now when he comes to you and tell you that, you know, as you, as you experience all these things, he comes to you and tells you, that, I know your pain. I know your sorrow. I know all your loneliness because I have gone through it. So that is why Jesus is such a good news for us. But then there's also another thing too. Secondly, Jesus is the savior we need because he is the wonderful savior that God has sent to sacrifice for us. You know, we talk about Jesus' humanity, but one we must understand too is that while he is a human being, he is also sinless. He's the only one who is sinless in this world. You know, he experienced sorrow, sufferings, temptations, but yet he did not ever sin. And that means that not only is he able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he's also capable of dying for our sins. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know how when the people sin before God, they have to, there are consequences to their sin. There are consequences to all our sin. Something has to be done. Something has to be paid for. And so the animals were sacrificed on behalf of the people. But yet they were, they were never true sacrifice because even with the animals, it's not perfect. So because of that, God has to do something about it. And God himself has to act on behalf of his people. And God has to send himself in his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to live among us, to experience all the, the, the troubles, the weaknesses that we do. But yet he also lived in full obedience of God's law. And because he is sinless, he is the only one capable of following all of God's commands and become the perfect sacrifice for us. And this is why he is our wonderful savior. For Jesus lived the righteous life that we can't live, we can't ever dream of living. And then he took our unrighteousness due of our sin on the cross so that we who were once unrighteous can be righteous in God's sight as we receive forgiveness and peace from God. And this is why the angel, after he pronounced the birth of Jesus, what happens? He was joined by a multitude of other angels, numbered so vast that no one could ever count. And they were all singing and praising God. What did they sing? Glory to God in the highest, because peace has come on earth. Peace has come because of Jesus, this wonderful Savior, this Savior who identifies with all our weaknesses and all our troubles, and yet he gives himself up for us. So praise God for that. Well, let's stand and sing with the heavenly hosts, angels we have heard of.
Luke 2:15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as, had, as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. It's not really fair to make me talk so soon after that little cute song there, that beautiful song that they sang. I was, I was crying. The kids were like, Dad, for real? Are you crying? But I was. Um, so yeah, how, can we, how should we respond to Jesus? Um, well, first of all, I look at the shepherds and I see that they said to one another, let us go. And I think the us really stood out to me this year. Um, I, I find it striking that God didn't just appear to one shepherd, but he appeared to a lot of shepherds at one time. Uh, because I think the shepherds probably needed each other. Um, it's too easy when you're isolated <clears throat> to f- just rationalize whatever your position is about whatever it is that you just heard. Um, it would be very easy for one shepherd, even if an angel appeared to him, to think he was having some psychological episode or to just decide it was too cold and he wasn't going to go out and do it anyway or whatever but there was a group of shepherds together and they needed each other and like that fire that was burning that night that andy highlighted that would have been the only light if you have one log on a fire and you take it off of the fire it burns out quickly but if you have multiple logs on a fire it burns well and so they needed each other, and I, I, I bet that they found encouragement from one another. This is something that this movie, The Chosen, if you've seen it, it kind of highlights the community of the shepherds together, and they needed each other. And so they said, let us go. And then they went with haste. They went with haste. They actually did it. They actually went, and they, they took urgent action upon what they had heard. The first urgent action to respond to Jesus that you need to take is in your heart, God really doesn't care about your external activity first. He he cares first about your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? What motivates you? What's at the center of your life? Do you believe him? Do you believe that this good news that Andy just explained to us very well, this gospel news about him sending his son into the world to save you from your sins, do you believe that's true? Is that the real story? Is that the good news for the world, for the sin of the world? And then you, after you believe internally, you then go out externally and you go and you act upon that good news that you have received. But don't get the order wrong. Don't just go be active. Don't be an activist and then wonder why. Why am I doing all this? What is motivating you? The heart of Jesus needs to be motivating you. And then they went out. They didn't just go out externally and, and do a lot of of, of random things. They did something very specific. They went out and made known the saying that had been told to them about the child. In other words, what they did is they went out and they shared the gospel story with other people. They told the good news of Jesus Christ in evangelism with other people who were around them. Actually, this is a pattern we see throughout 
the story. We see Zechariah telling us about what he had experienced. We see the shepherds telling us about what they had experienced. This is an appropriate response to believing the gospel is that you want to tell other people about it. Now, why wouldn't we want to spread the word this morning? Why wouldn't we want to do that? Because I know that this is something that we all can struggle with at times. I think one of the biggest barriers for us in explaining the gospel and sharing the gospel with other people is um, we're still hung up on our own sinfulness. Uh, We're still not totally convinced sometimes that we're really forgiven of all of our sins. We still hold on to this past sin or present sin in our lives, and we believe theoretically that we're forgiven because we have good enough theology for that. But we think, why would I be the one to go tell someone else about Jesus? I have so many problems in my life. Or we think, not about our past sin or our present sin, we think about our future sin. What if I go and I tell someone about Jesus and then I totally screw up my life later on? What kind of a witness will I be? And so we just justify, you know, I can't share the good news of Jesus Christ's grace because I'm not worthy of being that kind of person who would tell about God's grace. But you can see how that actually doesn't make sense because who is supposed to share about Christ's grace except for sinners who have received the grace of God in their life? We need to be convinced, brother and sister, today on Christmas, Jesus came into the world to take on flesh, to die for sin, so that you would know that you're forgiven. So that you would know that he doesn't just identify with you, with your story, he forgives you, he redeems your story. And then he sends you out into the world to tell other people about him. Another reason why we could not want to tell the gospel story is because we live in a culture in America today that is increasingly um, negatively viewing Christ and the cross, negatively viewing Christians. Even saying Merry Christmas feels risky today in our culture. But I want to encourage you to continue to speak about Jesus. How do you do it? You do it with compassion. You do it with care. You do it by loving your neighbor. You do it by showing the world that Jesus is a really, is a compassionate, loving, and gracious king. You don't do it arrogantly. You do it with love, but you continue to speak humbly about our humble king, Jesus. The next response I see here is is this contrast between how Mary responds and the shepherds respond. And a, a very appropriate response that Mary has is she treasures all of these things in her heart. So you need to store up all these things that Jesus is, is doing. And there's a real place for contemplation in that internal response. But I also want to probably point out to you that one reason why Mary responds this way is because she's really tired. You know, like. This is it for her right now, you know? She just rode a donkey 90 miles and gave birth in a barn, and her husband was the presiding physician. She's just kind of taking it all in. And I think sometimes we look at Mary and we're like, yeah, that's what I do. I just contemplate. I just think. I don't think you're as tired as Mary was, all right? So the shepherds also give us a response to the gospel. Yes, internally processed, but also go out Go out and share and glorify and praise God for all the things you've heard and seen, 
Both responses are important. I feel like for our congregation and the typical suburban triangle person, the internal contemplation is something we feel pretty good about. The external activation is something that we can all, a lot of us can work on as we kind of go into 2023. So consider what it looks like for you to ponder these things in your heart and then to go out and share and glorify and praise God for all that he has showed us. I'll close with this. You know, I wanna emphasize today that Jesus has come to us in your real lives this Christmas. Those of you who feel like it's been a little while since you received good news. This means that as you go into the next year, those endless weeks of sickness that you've been having that keep, that keep dragging on, that Jesus is with you in that. In those moments when you've gotten angry and you've disrespected your parents, Jesus is there with you in the midst of that moment. In those conversations with your spouse that started out well but ended badly, Jesus is there for us in that. In those moments when you're stressed out about the family finances, Jesus sees you and knows you. In those days at work that can feel so monotonous, Jesus is with you. Jesus came into our real lives when he was laid in that manger. And that's not just for us and our issues here, but it's for the world as well. He was laid in a manger for those in China who were experiencing a massive wave of COVID and who experienced persecution day in and day out for their faith. To those in Ukraine who were suffering bombings and bitter cold without heat, Jesus was laid in a manger for them. To those in Africa who were suffering a food shortage because of a lack of grain because of the war, Jesus was laid in a manger for them. For those in Muslim nations such as Afghanistan and Iran where women and Christians do not have basic human rights, Jesus was laid in a manger for them. To those in Central and South America, many of whom see such poverty and corruption that they would risk everything to come to this country, Jesus was laid in a manger for them. And for those here in North America who are freezing cold and do not have power and are gritting out this winter storm, Jesus was laid in a manger. We have a faith that is so different than other faiths in the world because we have a king who humbled himself and became one of us, identifying with us in our weakness so that he would bring redemption as far as the curse is found. Let's remember that this Christmas. That's why Jesus came. When you suffer, when you, when you have misery in your life, you bring Jesus into that moment and you say, this is why Jesus came for me. I needed him right now. When you read a story about what's going on in the world, Jesus came for that very reason. Let's continue on and worship this great King, Jesus. So you're welcome to stay in your seats for a moment. We're gonna sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And after those words, let's just use this as a moment just to reflect. As we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, the one who was born to set us free.
It's the tr tradition of Trinity Park Church that we pray for the world during this time. Uh, would you join me in a time of prayer? Humbly Father, we thank you that we are able to celebrate Christmas this morning and be reminded of the work that you started to the sending of your son Jesus in this world. And I thank you that Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, willingly put aside his power, authority, and glory and be subjected in lowly fashion by being born into this world as a helpless baby, experiencing all the weaknesses and frailty of humanity so that he can not only sympathize and identify with us, but 
ultimately also become the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we can receive forgiveness and live in peace with our God. So thank you, Jesus, for completing the work of your Father. And Lord, as we are grateful for having to, being able to celebrate Christmas with our friends, with our family members, we know that many in our world continue to experience hardships and sufferings. And Lord, this morning we come before you to pray for the people in China. Based on recent reports, we receive many elderly are dying and many are sick with COVID. Lord, there are reports of, of people being buried and in, in, um, vast, uh, in vast numbers. And so I pray, Lord, for you to intervene, Lord, as, as we pray for this wave of COVID to come under control. Lord, I pray for the government to be able to, to uh, provide treatments in whatever ways possible and care for these people who are suffering. And God, we also pray for the Christians in China who are still in prison for their faith, who are suffering persecutions at this moment or in recent times. Lord, I pray for you to strengthen and encourage them in this period of trial. Lord, even as they would ask us to pray not for comfort, not for uh, them to be free, but for them to be faithful to their God in whatever circumstance it may be. And so I pray for them, whether they're in prison, whether they are in fear of their lives, whether they are hiding, I pray, Lord, for them to remain faithful in you. And I pray too that, that their faith would continue to encourage us of what it means to seek you and to live faithfully for you. Lord, we pray too for many of our, our, our the people in, in a lot of the African nations, Lord, such as Kenya, Djibouti, Ethiopia, and Somalia and Uganda, Lord, and all who are experiencing severe droughts that led to malnutrition, that led to waterborne diseases and all kinds of other diseases. I pray specifically for these nations, Lord, and for the organizations to rise up, Lord, to bring support to these suffering nations. I pray too that even when resources are sent, Lord, that they will be distributed fairly to those in need. I pray for help to come upon them. Lord, I pray too for the women population living in many of the Arab nations, specifically in Iran recently, who continue to be marginalized. Lord, as human rights protests against government continue to rise, many of these women have been imprisoned and have suffered abuse while being detained. And Lord, we pray for you to intervene again to bring an end to this marginalization and the suffering of these women. I pray, Lord, that even when they are ill-treated, I pray for people, other people, Christians, perhaps, or other folks living there that would be able to bring dignity to them, that will be able to, to help them in their need as well. Lord, I pray for many nations also in South America, like Argentina, like Uruguay, and all these other nations who are experiencing economic um, struggles, inflation, poverty. 
Now I pray too, even as we find ourselves, you know, being um, richly provided, having all the resources that we need, we pray that we will continue to remember these folks who are struggling, who have nothing. Lord, I pray for, for you to provide for them again through raising up agencies or organizations or even neighboring nations who can help. Lord, I pray lastly too for the nation of Ukraine as the people have suffered greatly for almost a year now since the war begun. I pray for mercy to come upon these people as many remain in the country while others have been resettled in other countries around them. I pray for your mighty hand to put an end to this war and that this nation can go through a rebuilding phase again. Lord, I pray for mercy upon all these suffering nations around the world. And Lord, we also remember our own nation. Lord, we know that many too, uh, in some ways are suffering right now from the extreme cold weather, from losing power, from losing resources. I pray for provision to come upon them. And I also pray for this nation as we continue to live in a divisive time. Pray for especially us as Christians that we will learn to exemplify Christ in our conduct with each other, in our interaction with each other as we strive to do justice, to show kindness, and to walk humbly with God. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Lord, I know that you hear our prayers and you are also in control of every situation that's happening and you do intervene in your own time. But more importantly, as we pray, as we wait, as we continue to anticipate for help, I pray too, Lord, that we'll remember too that, that Lord, you have intervened, that you have done something for us, that you have begun this process of healing for us through your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent uh, on, on this day to be born as a baby, but ultimately that this Jesus who, was, who grew up as a man and died for the sins of the people, and even as he was raised to life and ascended into heaven, that this Jesus Christ will come again to put an end to all injustices of this world, that those who laugh at the poverty of people, that those who rejoice at the suffering of people, that those who perhaps pride themselves in, the, in their ability to be able to destroy um, their enemies, Lord, that they, Lord, will experience the wrath of God, the coming of Jesus, and even the fact that all this um, natural disasters and all the sufferings that people have suffered through, through the nature, Lord, will all be made right when Jesus returns. And so I pray as we look as we celebrate the birth of Jesus today, Lord, that we will also continue to remember that this Jesus is coming back to put an end to all things and to bring us into an, his everlasting arm. So we thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Advent reading, <clears throat> excuse me, the Advent reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's stand together as we sing one song, go tell one another. Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That Jesus Christ is born. Go
town and on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours today, world without end.